Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Hidden Signs. I'm your host. My name is Jeff Murray. I'm a professor of marketing at the University of Arkansas. In previous episodes, we explored the phenomena of hidden signs, invisible forces that influence our actions. Hidden signs are sign systems. We analyzed them, theorized them, and also discussed how they are learned through socialization. In the last episode, we examined ethnography, a useful tool for discovering hidden signs. Today, in the last episode, we conclude Season 1 by talking about how sign systems can be created through storytelling. A compelling story is irresistible, It's contagious, an effective way of spreading a message. Stories are sticky because they connect to emotions, help us reflect on the human condition, and think about the question, how should we live? Storytelling is a persuasive tool when the message fits comfortably with the mood of the culture, when stories resonate with collective sentiments the message becomes relevant, helping people find meaning in what is going on around them. Stories help us make sense of things. In this way, storytelling creates sign systems and brings them to life. In Episode 3, we talked about the importance of stories for understanding culture. In so many ways, stories are culture. I want to begin this episode with the question, what is a story? One of the most famous French anthropologists was Claude Levi-Strauss. He was born in Belgium in 1908 and died in France in 2009. An amazing person who had a long career and lived a hundred years. One of the things he is best known for is his contributions to the structuralist school of thought. Structuralism is the search for the underlying patterns of thought in all forms of human activity. Levi Strauss argued that we can only understand phenomena by using a system of opposition. This is because he believed that meaning is derived from difference. For example, I can fully understand the concept hot because I have a conception of cold and vice versa. Meaning resides in the tension of duality. Well, this is key for understanding the structure of stories. Let's take an example we are all familiar with. One of our beloved stories, The Wizard of Oz. What are the dualities? Or what Levi Strauss would call the binary oppositions. These help to structure the story. Good versus evil. Glinda, Witch of the North, versus the Wicked Witch of the East. You stay out of this, Glinda, or I'll fix you as well. Oh, rubbish. You have no power here. Be gone before somebody drops the house on you too. Munchkins versus Monkey Demons. Mr. Welcome you to Munchkin Land. 
Scarecrow versus Fire. That's the trouble. I can't make up my mind. I haven't got a brain. Tin Man versus Water. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. Lion versus Loud Noises. <laughs> Is my nose bleeding? <laughs> well, of course not. Toto versus Miss Elmira Gulch. Snow versus Poppies. Loyalty versus Obedience. Courage versus Fear. Intelligence versus Cunning. And Love versus Hate. An object that helps to mediate these oppositions, motivating the characters of the story, is called the MacGuffin. In other words, the MacGuffin is a sacred object that's on both sides of the opposition. In the case of our example, it is the ruby slippers. Think of some other famous MacGuffins. The Transit Papers in the 1942 film Casablanca. Rosebud, a sled in the 1941 film Citizen Kane. The Crystal Skull in the 2008 Indiana Jones Adventure. What's in the Briefcase in the 1994 crime drama Pulp Fiction. Binary oppositions and mediators, like the MacGuffin, fuel the story and motivate the characters, creating a compelling narrative and sparking curiosity. We want to know how the story turns out. We're involved and drawn in. Since meaning resides in difference, oppositions create the potential for a meaningful story. If this story is valuable because it resonates with the mood of the culture, and if our brand has a role in the story, we have found a way of creating sign value. Let's explore this idea. A few years ago, I was teaching in London. I love this city. Whenever I am there, I always take a walk down Oxford Street, especially at night. The window displays of Selfridges and John Lewis are incredible artistic creations. On this night, it was sometime in November, and I was walking with one of my co-authors. In passing, this person turned to me and said, Have you seen the John Lewis story yet? Not knowing what they meant, I asked, What do you mean? They replied, Oh, you don't know? The John Lewis story always opens the holiday season in London. Well, this is the kind of comment that really ignites a spirit of inquiry in a marketing professor. I'm thinking, a retailer in London opens the holiday season? Interesting. The next day, I opened my laptop in a coffee shop and began my research. I learned that for the last decade, the retailer, John Lewis and Partners, open the holiday season with a story. This story becomes the centerpiece of their holiday branding strategy. Characters from the story appear in the window displays, and the location of the story creates an atmosphere for the department store on the ground level. The message always resonates with the holiday spirit, creating a nice, consistent connection between the story, emotion, and the cultural mood. 
I decided to tune in to the 2019 story, a tale about a little girl and her excitable friend, Edgar. Thinking back to episode 6 on sign value, this story is not unlike the story of Banjo, a message of unexpected friendship. The story of Edgar opens with a scene from a medieval village during the winter season. Snow is lightly falling, and a young girl with soft red hair is walking with her friend, a young portly green dragon with small wings named Edgar. In the background, a soft, slow version of the REO Speedwagon song, Can't Fight This Feeling, is beginning to play. Every story has a location, and this can be considered part of the structure of storytelling. The location sets the stage for the characters in action. It's where the plot unfolds. As the young girl with red hair and Edgar walk through the medieval village, they catch snowflakes on their tongues and laugh. They're friends, enjoying each other's company. Every so often, a flash of fire appears with Edgar's exhale. In the distance, they both spot a snowman with two kids busy with the finishing touches. Charcoal eyes, carrot nose, and scarf. Edgar, seeing this fun, charges with excitement, wanting to help. And in the background, the song begins. I can't fight this feeling any longer. And yet I'm still afraid to let it flow. What started out as friendship has grown stronger I only wish I had the strength to let it show When Edgar gets excited, he breathes fire. Sadly, his fire-breathing exhilaration melts the snowman and everyone involved is disappointed and sad. They hang their heads and walk back to the village. Every story has characters, and this can also be considered part of the structure of storytelling. In this story, there are two main characters, the young girl with red hair who feels bad for Edgar, since he seems to ruin the fun with his fire breathing, and Edgar, the young green dragon. The two characters are good friends, unlikely friends. Another part of story structure is action. In our illustrative example, Edgar continues to ruin various aspects of the holiday experience. I mean, a fire-breathing dragon just doesn't mix well with snowmen, ice rinks, and holiday trees. Levi Strauss's binary oppositions of fire versus ice, the warmth of the hearth versus the cold, icy night air, light versus dark, and happy versus sad, play out well in this short emotional story. The tension in the story is resolved when the young girl with red hair gets an idea of baking bread. She decides that Edgar's fire might be useful. The main characters enter late to the holiday banquet. The young girl introduces Edgar with a trumpet solo. An excitable Edgar enters the room. Understandably, the villagers jump into the table, not wanting to be burned. Then, 
in a touching moment, Edgar, from behind his back, pulls out a plate of holiday pudding and adds just the right amount of fire and heat. The villagers all applaud and the festivities begin. The emotional message is that one cannot give up on friendship. Sometimes support for a friend needs to be thoughtful and creative. But it is worth it. We are all in this life together, so we need to find a way of supporting each other. At this point, you are probably thinking, Yes, but how does this story influence me to buy something at John Lewis? Isn't this the point? Well, they are creating a signed system with this story. The characters, location, action, message, plot, and surprise ending are all signifiers in this system, creating a semiotic field. But the store is also part of this semiotic field. If this science system generates positive emotion, an emotion that resonates with the spirit of the holidays, John Lewis and partners win. The story gives them added value, sign value. When we need to buy a gift and feel good about it, they come to mind. And if this is happening with thousands of people across London, John Lewis and partners will be successful during the most important time of the year for retailers. Remember, storytelling and sign value are connected. Kurt Vonnegut was an American writer born in 1922 in Indiana and died in 2007 in New York. You are probably familiar with some of his books. He is most famous for his darkly satirical, best-selling novel, Slaughterhouse-Five, published in 1969. Vonnegut would say that the plot structure of the excitable Edgar story is probably the most popular and most used structure. He calls this structure Man in a Hole. Of course, it doesn't have to be a man, and it doesn't have to be a hole. Here, regular life is disrupted. A series of events puts the characters in a difficult and desperate set of circumstances. Then, through a series of twists, turns, and setbacks, the characters find their way out of the difficult set of circumstances. They find a way of climbing out of the hole. I always laugh at the Hangover movies. I can't believe they made three of these. Here, we have four pretty average, rather boring guys, living their lives and doing pretty well. One day, they decide to travel to a bachelor party, and a series of events completely disrupt their lives. They fall into a hole of desperate circumstances. The rest of the movie is about their funny journey out of the hole. Think of the 1999 sci-fi action thriller, The Matrix. Regular life is disrupted when Neo meets Morpheus. The game's afoot when Neo takes the red pill. Neo battles, overcoming obstacles set by the antagonist. Neo appears defeated. All is lost. 
Neo learns from failure and earns wisdom. He sees the Matrix Code. Climax and final battle. Neo defeats Agent Smith. Vonnegut would say, you see? Again, the most popular and most used story structure. Man in a hole. According to Vonnegut, other popular story structures are versions of man in a hole. For instance, a character starts with nothing and, unexpectedly, achieves or earns great things, a Cinderella story. Or, when a character, who already has great things, loses everything, a tragedy. I saved the best story structure for last. If you love the Star Wars series, you love Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey. The Hero's Journey has three distinct phases. The first is separation. In this phase, the main character of the story becomes aware of a dire problem that may destroy the village, their home. They also become aware of a possible solution to this problem. But in order to obtain it, they need to risk everything and embark on a perilous journey. The character says goodbye, separates from the village, and begins the adventure. The second phase is the journey itself. Here, the character meets friends and mentors along the way. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. Who help them survive dangerous situations. Now, don't get jittery, Luke. There are a lot of command chips. Mm. Keep your distance, though, Chewie. But don't look like you're trying to keep your distance. And hazardous circumstances. Look, someone's up there. Chewie, slow down. Slow down and we'll get under. They also come face to face with wild challenges. Monsters, storms, magic, and a series of tests and battles. It is in this phase that our character changes and discovers the magic potion, rare object, riddle, or wisdom that will save their home. The third phase is return. Here our character returns home to save their village. They return the hero. This story structure is played out in different ways over and over again. One of the reasons it resonates so well is because it tells the story of our lives. In conclusion, storytelling helps us communicate about and create sign systems. Storytelling brings them to life. We live in sign systems. Some of them are visible, but most are hidden. A visitor from the future who wants to learn about us will study and interpret what we leave behind trying to imagine what it was like to live in the early 21st century. They will read our stories, and these stories will teach them about us, what we valued, 
how we lived, and what we believed in. Finally, as we continue to understand, theorize, and discover science systems, we also need to remember that we have just begun. We can use our imaginations to create, to tell new stories, stories that are inspiring, helping us reach new horizons, our full potential. I hope that you enjoyed this episode on storytelling. My name is Jeff Murray. Special thanks to Seth Murray for composing original music for this podcast. This ends Season 1 of Hidden Signs. Thank you for listening.